Oh, uh, so I can't believe he just runs out in the middle of the field. Oh, they have Eternia in their hand. And they'll be together forever. Would they go right inside that orb and they, they live in Eternia? Oh, yeah, there's the... Uh, they better end it, with, end it with the power. I have, yes! He says the line. We've been waiting for it. But he was not... He had nothing to do the last five minutes in the movie. No, of course not. Master there of the it universe. is. There Whoa, it is. Golden Globus, makers of crap. Thank you guys so much for making it through the entire movie. The movie, of course, being Masters of the Universe, available on YouTube. Pam Benjamin, thank you so much for being on. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube together with Mike with Spiegelman. With Mike Spiegelman. Thanks for letting me be here, Mike Spiegelman. Oh, no problem. Please follow us on our RSS On Mike Spiegelman. Feed, Mike available Spiegelman. Available on the PCRcollective.org uh, and also on your favorite uh, iPod uh, podcast subscriber. And next week, we'll be back. So uh, we'll have another one. Thank you guys so much. And we're going to wrap up. Uh, by just taking a breather and enjoying life. I really felt I saw my whole life flash before me watching this movie, especially the last 15 minutes. <laughs> well, that was because you were dreaming. You were actually dreaming about your life while you were watching it. And, oh, uh, I was dreaming, all right. I was dreaming of role without Masters in the Universe. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and turn this off because, oh, thank God. Uh, there you go. Now I have a little uh, music playing. Got some music You've playing. You've done great. it. Yeah. All right. So thank you guys so much. We're going to stop. There's some great showcase at 4 o'clock. There's another show. And uh, again, follow us on from their podcast. Bye. Yay. Okay. So what we'll do is. Is we'll that how I turn it off? Just click that. Uh-huh. Wait. And then this goes up. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> My friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco. And Good evening, and welcome to House of Pride Radio. This is your Emperor Salvador Tovar here bringing it to you live. This is July 27th. So we have a great, great audience today. We've got some really amazing things that we're doing today. We're going to talk about our current events. Then we're also going to go ahead and bring in some local events that we're going to talk about. The Wind Fam will be joining me shortly, along with other emperors from around the realms here. I think we're going to have Matt Cox coming in, as well as Christopher Salas that will be in as well. You see, I see him IMing me right now. So, um, But yeah, anyway, we have had a great day. The weather's been amazing here in San Francisco. 
We've been having our winter uh, weather here earlier on, but now the sun seems to want to come out and Carl the Fog seems to be going away. Uh, he might be approaching over there in, the, in Richmond out there, so if he is, just let us know. But um, let's see. We got all the volume there. Alrighty, and um, we'll put some music on and then bring uh, and come back to you in, in a little bit. is what you came for lightning strikes every time she moves and everybody's watching her but she's looking at
And we are back. This is, again, Salvador Tovar, your Emperor of San Francisco. And I have the pleasure of co-hosting today's uh, radio show here with Win Fam. Let's give it up for Win Fam. Hey, everyone. Hey, Sal. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Win Fam, um, for those of you that don't know, he and I have been cheering, quite honestly, with uh, Cheer San Francisco. And that's how I got a chance to know Win over 10 years ago. And then through that, we just developed a really great relationship through our community, through the different things, the philanthropic things that we do within the city. We've taken a liking and interest in many um, athletic activities. And... Yeah, that's how I was able to get to know Wynn, and, and I wanted to bring him on here. I think he's an amazing guy. I think he's really excellent with uh, the, the things that he does here in the city, and he has different and amazing stories to tell, so that's my friend Wynn Pham here. Well, that's quite an introduction, Sal. Thank you. Um, but yeah, everybody, Sal is right. And again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. It's, it's really good to be here. Sal mentioned Cheer San Francisco. And if you don't already know, Cheer SF, as we like to be called, we have been around now for 36 years since 1980. You can check us out online at cheersf.org, as well as on the Facebook. Since 1980, we have been using the, the sports, the activity of cheerleading, to raise money and awareness for other nonprofit organizations all around the city, around the community, around the state, around the country, around the world. And to date, we've raised just upwards of $350,000 in donations for these different nonprofit causes. So we're really just a fundraising vehicle. If you are part of a nonprofit that's charitable in nature and you need some funding, look us up because we're always looking for new beneficiaries. One of our major ones in recent years was the Elisa Ann Roosh Burn Foundation, which helps burn victims return to normal lives and help cope with their injuries. Another one recently, just a few years ago, was Camp Sunburst, which is an awesome summer camp based in the Santa Cruz Mountains that helps children with HIV and AIDS and their families that happen to have HIV and AIDS to lead normal lives, at least for one week during the summer. It's, it's really, really cool, a very cool program that just gives these children who otherwise don't have normal lives a very normal, fun camp experience for a whole week. So again, we are Cheer San Francisco since 1980, and we are a nonprofit, all-volunteer, charitable group that raises money for other nonprofits. So when tell us about your experience. I know you started when you were like 
two on the team. <laughs> and uh, how how did you get involved with ShareSF? Maybe some because um, I know that there's tryouts coming out as well, and we wanted to know let people learn how is how it is that or how it was that you were involved with with ShareSF and how you got active. Right, right. No, I, I like telling this story because, to be quite honest, I joined right out of high school when I was in my first year of college, and at that time, I hated cheerleading. I thought cheerleading was stupid. It didn't make sense to me as a sport. It didn't, it didn't resonate with me at all because the only cheerleading that I was exposed to was at my high school. And granted, those girls were wonderful people. They were pretty, and they were popular, and they were athletic. But I didn't understand why they just wanted to throw people in the air. <laughs> Fast forward, though, to right after graduation from high school, I went to my first gay pride parade in San Jose. That's where I'm from originally. And I saw this group of 30- and 40-year-olds in the middle of the street doing the same thing that these high school girls were doing. And I thought, huh, that's strange. Why would they risk their lives in the middle of the street during a gay pride parade? And then I saw them again at the festival about an hour later, and I heard about their cause. And that's what the hook was for me. It was the charitable cause of Cheer San Francisco, and that's what the group was. It was Cheer SF. And that was just over 14 years ago. So wow, I've been years. on Cheer San Francisco as a performing volunteer for just over 14 years. I just completed my 14th consecutive Cheer, uh, consecutive SF Pride Parade, which was phenomenal. I will likely return for year 15. Yay! Yay. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's how I got involved. It, it wasn't really the sport itself it was the charity charitable aspect however once i started learning the physical maneuvers and the athleticism involved that's what kind of hooked me even further i became addicted to to the stunting aspect of it and so and and, and that's what keeps me coming back yeah so i think it's the addiction right and, and i and i kind of i can relate to that with you when because i think for me 10 years ago was my first time with cheer sf and how i was involved with the group was through aerobics my aerobics instructor mark was at the time he was teaching me all these things and all of a sudden he was like hey you should try out for the team and coming from texas i was like you know i didn't, I didn't really realize that there were male cheerleaders and i said no, you know what? I'm I, I'm not into that. I'm I don't want to wear a skirt. You know, I'm not gonna wear. I thought it was like the the drag queens, the um, what is it, the WeHo cheerleaders. So I thought that's what it was very campy, which is nothing bad. But I just didn't, you know, I didn't think that was my cup of tea at the time. And all of a sudden, he's like, No, no, no. We're we're athletes. We go out there. There's a lot. Of, we wear wear pants. The men can wear pants. We get a, we get a chance to go ahead and show our athleticism. But then I said, Well, I don't tumble. And he says, Well, not everybody tumbles. I don't tumble either. He's like, well, Just give it a try. So I did. I went, and my friend, actually, Carlos, he was Gonzalez. I'd never forget this. I said, come on, let's go ahead and try out with the team. And we saw the team performing at Castro Street Fair, and that was amazing, which I loved. I love, love, love seeing the team there every year. And I said, wow, I want to be a part of this team. Now, one of my, my, my first memories of Cheer SF was the hair, all the fierce hair. You guys, like, rocked it. I mean, <laughs> the faux hawks were, like, the big thing back then, so, and, and it still are, and it's just, it's like this, this it was this interesting, uh, what is it, this, this interesting competition, but friendly competition in the sense that we were very, like, fashion-forward, we were very uh, hip and so forth, and I wanted to be a part of this group because I was so new here to San Francisco. So roll the credits back now and go to tryouts here. 
I was trying. I had missed two of the tryouts, and then finally, or two of the clinics actually. And then I finally saw everything online, and I was practicing the videos. And I never forget Manny Gomes. He was the one teaching the the instructions on the YouTube video, and I had to practice. I practiced in my living room with the windows open, so everybody passing by could just see me practice. And I, said, I had to get used to the public, right? They're gonna see mm -hmm. me if I mess up. I mess up, and I just have to continue on going. Well, I went through the tryouts and made it through and we had our our group of our little freshman squad of 14 people of that squad I think I remain from from the last of that group and it was just a, a phenomenal thing it, it is an addiction it's one of these things where at the beginning I mean you try it and you're like oh my god am I gonna be able to do this and then when you see that you can and you can do it on a consistent basis you want to continue going and going and going and one of the things that I admired about you when at the beginning and is the is your athleticism and then it was that friendly competition you know it was you and Matt Santos and you know all the other girl flyers there it was always and then you know, Morgan I mean Morgan instilled that I think he gave us those vitamins you know and they're mm. probably still embedded in us somehow but it's it's it was that that friendly competition whoa <laughs> cats are having fun out here and it was that friendly competition there to where we were able to continue and bring share us up to where it is today I think and now I mean it's it's a name that is recognized throughout the city and county of San Francisco as we are the official cheerleaders for the city and county of San Francisco. That's correct. It was an honor that was bestowed upon us by the Board of Supervisors just over a year ago. They issued this proclamation, and, and so we have it in writing, in print. Cheer San Francisco is now acknowledged and recognized as the official cheer team of the city and county of San Francisco. It's, it's been an amazing honor just to sort of legitimize and validate the work that we had been doing for that. At that time, it was 35 years. Now we're in year 36, and there's no sign of us stopping. But Sal, you hit on a really good point. You you mentioned that even if you don't see CheerSF perform and you don't see us out in the public, if you just go to tryouts, that energy is very infectious and it's very addictive, the things that we do. Because once you learn a new skill athletically and you hit that skill and you can repeat it and do it over and over and over again, you just keep on wanting to do it over and over and over again. That success physically is, is very addictive. But on the note of tryouts, we do have a tryout cycle coming up right around now. If you head over to our website, cheersf.org, or even to our Facebook page, you'll see that we have two tryout clinics coming up, and clinics are about two to three hours in length. That's when you receive the instruction on everything that you will be asked to demonstrate at the actual auditions. So you have two tryout clinics for about two to three hours each, and then the third session is the actual audition, and that takes place at our gym. We currently rehearse at Head Over Gymnasium in Emeryville, California, right off the Bay Bridge, right across the bay from SF. And it's, uh, it's going to be a really fun time, very engaging. If you are interested, go ahead and look us up. There's a sign-up form online. Come with hydration, you know, stay very well hydrated, wear loose-fitting clothing, but above all, come with an open and positive attitude. You can be the best athlete in the world and that's one thing and and we love that about you however we are also looking for good cultural fit so not only should you be at least athletically aware and have good awareness of body mechanics but we want you to have a good consciousness for your fellow human humanity <laughs> and to, to want to make a positive difference in the communities that that you live in 
Yeah, so it was interesting when you were talking about how, you know the the addictions and uh, of the cheerleading or you know the once you get a once you get a a stunt and and you want to continue excelling and and heightening that to a different level. I it was really interesting this year because for me it was a, it was being on the team for ten years. You see the patterns change, right? And you see this new group come in, and me being the last of my 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 group of, of fourteen of us. It was just amazing to see them come in and see the scare that they had. You know, it was being their first performance on main stage. But yet us with the tenure, we were like, all right, we kept telling them, be prepared for it, be prepared. Once you have that feeling, once you, well, actually even before being on main stage, no, actually it was, it was Saturday we were on main stage as well. But Sunday, you start with the parade when you turn that corner onto Market Street and it's just that thousands upon thousands of people are just cheering and screaming because you're a part of this big pride festival here that's occurring in san francisco and then to top that off you get to perform in front of thousands of people out there which it's i think a lot of the people at first when they were like oh my gosh i'm so over this thing they get that that feeling and they're like wow this is what everybody had been talking about and you get it at the end of our season i believe that's the second to the last performance because after that we do have a final performance in july in marin county or in Corte Madera, larkspur where we raise money for the Fourth of July at the Fourth of July parade for the Marin AIDS project there, so yeah, so I definitely had a chance to see that and see people at the end. They were like, "Oh, we hit it! Everything was going well." At first, the the morale was low because you—that's the uncertainty. But after repeated practices and and doing the same routine over and over again, it was just that feeling of success to know that everything was hitting. Absolutely. And and for our listeners who aren't as fully aware, SF Pride, we keep on referring back to SF Pride. It is indeed the annual San Francisco LGBTQ Pride celebration and parade that occurs typically during the last weekend every June. It also almost coincides with the culmination of our performance and fundraising season as, as a team, Cheer SF. We run typically July to June of every year, and so the end of June is the end of our season. It's fantastic just to end on such a high note amid this celebration, this worldwide, globally known celebration of freedom and liberation and freedom of expression. Um, and that is the annual San Francisco LGBT Pride celebration and parade. And that main stage, man, at Civic Center, it's in the middle of the festival. You have the biggest audience of, of your entire year. It is quite a thrill and it's something that people don't often forget. Yeah, jumbotrons showing your face. If the camera catches you, you need to make sure that you're smiling. And just the roar of the crowd seeing these these athletes there performing. We have some of our sister squads come to perform with us. And this year, we had let's see, we um, we had, we had Cheer Los Angeles. Correct. They've been around for 15 years now. We also had a brand new team out of Southern California called Cheer San Diego Extreme. They're in their first year and they're dynamite. They're, they're looking real clean already. And we also had a team up toward the capital of California, up, up in Sacramento, called Capital Cheer Elite Storm. They've been around for a few years now doing their thing and they're looking phenomenal. And we're all charitable cheerleaders. We all are assembling for the exact same reason. And it is to use the sport of cheerleading as a means of raising awareness and funds for other nonprofit charitable organizations. Yeah, and again, so if you want to get interested in Cheer San Francisco, again, as Wynn has mentioned, we do have tryouts coming out. Either visit our website at cheersf.org or go to our Facebook site where you have the invites out there of the different events that are coming up. So we're going to go ahead and take a musical break here. And then when we come back, 
we'll start talking a little more about the different philanthropic um, things that we do here in the city and hopefully get some calls from some of the other emperors that will that are in within the united states so more to come All right, and we are back with House of Pride Radio here, and with my, I have my lovely co-host, Wynn Pham. Hi. Great. So we actually do have a caller on the phone. 
So let's see. Hold on. Maybe that was a little too high. Um, Emperor Topher, are you on the call? Hey, uh, let's see. I can hear you. Oh, you know what I need to do? Let's see. All right. Emperor Topher, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How's it going, Emperor So? Great, great. I can hear you now. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone. Let's give it up for Emperor Topher. Yay. Yeah, he is. He's one of my, my brothers here for, with the Imperial Court System. So as I talked to you the last couple of weeks about the Imperial Court System, we're all different nonprofit organizations throughout the, diff throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And... Let's see. And uh, yeah, so we so um, welcome on the call. Welcome to House of Pride Radio. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having us. I love what you're doing, getting the word out about the amazing work that we've been doing for the past 50 plus years here uh, with the ICS as well as uh, 24 years here in New Mexico. So I really appreciate everything you're doing to get the word out. Yeah, it's been it's it's been an amazing um it's been amazing to be able to tell our story through through the sounds or through the um, through the radio and letting people hear about the different organizations and so forth. So tell us a little bit about you. I mean, so you so you've been in this for now. What is it? Three months? Four months? Um, so we're two months on August fifth. That will be our two month uh, celebration. And so my empress and I are actually we're meeting tonight to go over um, a youth investiture that we're doing. We just had our investiture on. Sunday, which for those of you who aren't familiar with the court system, we name a line of succession. Um, so princes and princesses and dons and uh, donas and everything, um, all the people that, you know, help us throughout the year and reach our goals as far as uh, the charity work that we, we, we want to do. But this year we decided that we were going to also invest youth um, from our community. And so uh, Friday night we have a youth investiture and just the past two months have been non-stop um the tragedy in orlando gave us a lot of work to do here in our community uh as well and uh, pride and then we got to see you all in reno for coronation and um then do some work at, back at home and currently we're working on a school supply drive um for one of our most needy schools here in new mexico and so just busy busy and but it, it's what it's what we ran to do with what it's our purpose as monarchs and so we're, we're loving the work as well yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like you, you talked about two months. Like I thought it was four months because it's going so fast. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you want to do all these different things, and before you know it, I, I'm hitting the six month mark here for for my reign here in San Francisco, and it and it's been this little this really quick, fast pace to try to learn uh, and try to complete all these tasks that we want to do. We we have all these great ideas and so forth, but it takes it takes a lot of individuals to come and help you and. And that's one of the reasons why I choose to do this is to try to get our story out. Um, so tell tell the listeners too on how on the ways that they can get involved in, in, in your court and tell them where you're at and, and and how they can help you with with the fundraising that you're doing. Well, you know, um, one way that we would really love um, to have support um, is with this school supply drive. Actually, I'm a I'm a teacher and I taught at this school last year. And one day, my kids had done really well on their math homework and. Um, I said, you know, everyone, you got to go home and put your math homework, have your parents put it on the fridge. Because um, that's what my parents did to celebrate my successes. All the good work, good artwork went on the refrigerator. Well, um, right, right when recess started, one of my favorite students came up to me and said, um, Mr. Chris, um, which is my real name, um, I don't have a refrigerator. 
And for me, coming from, from my upbringing, it was shocking to me um, that I didn't know this about my student. Uh, and then I, through that conversation, I found out about this entire community here in Albuquerque that is living on the Mesa, um, on our West Mesa, without running water or electricity. So that quickly became a, a passionate cause for me in my life to make sure that these students had things they needed because uh, we expect them to come to, to our classrooms ready to learn when they're not getting fed at home and they don't have running water. And so we have been working hard and we've raised $2,000 so far um, for supplies start the school off. We, dro we dropped them off yesterday, actually. But we want to do more. We know we can do more. Uh, and so we've adopted another school that has a lot of students in need who are actually immigrating to this country. Um, and so we have a GoFundMe account set up, um, and people can um, go and contribute to that, um, as well as uh, visit our website, which is U-C-S-A-N-D-I-A-S, so it's United Court of the Sandias nmnewmexico.org um, and um, visit our site, see all the work we're doing, but we, we've gotten supplies from courts in um, Texas and Arizona, uh, and we know that uh, the court in San Francisco always leads the way for the entire court system, so we'd love to have support from all of your listeners if they would like to help us meet, uh, meet our goal. Great, listener. So you saw, you heard about his, his GoFundMe account, and we'll post more information, too, out at our House of Pride radio site, and we'll also post it within our, our uh, Facebook page as well. Now, tell us, so Reno, um, tell us about that, your experience there. Was that your first, your first uh, out-of-town walk? So Reno was our first walk, and it was actually, we were the first elected monarchs ever to, um, to go to Reno Coronation. And so, uh, I, and sometimes in the court system, we can kind of branch off into our groups, like New Mexico hangs out with Texas and Colorado, but my empress and I have really made an effort to, we want to get to know all of the court system and to learn from you all, because uh, we know the amazing work that's being done in states that are farther from us than Texas and Colorado and Arizona. So uh, we made the decision, um, two weeks after our election to get in the car and drive 14 hours, um, to re 15 hours to Reno, Nevada. Um, and um, we had just had an amazing experience. The, um, the coronation was amazing and David, the emperor there was phenomenal. And I know I've already con you know, connected with him on the work he's doing and supporting each other. I think that's the beauty of our, the work we do is that we support each other even when we're far from each other. So. Um, Reno, we had so much fun. It was great to see you, and San Francisco really brought it with their uh, with their presentation, their command performance. It was amazing. Yeah, that was fun. I, I talked to David earlier at uh, when we were at the Alameda Ducal Coronation there, and he had just completed his one month. So he was talking he was talking about his trials and tribulations that he's been going through, and it's interesting. I think we it's a pattern we all go through because we all are passionate to give back. To, to the community, and then we also have all of the historic portions that come with it and the traditions that that are, are done through the different monarchs and so forth. So they're quick to let us know when we're doing something wrong or when we're doing something right, more when we're doing something wrong than right. <laughs> but, but I think that's why we have this gift right now. We're, and with the radio show here, we're talking to people, we're telling people about what we've experienced and the things that we need so that way we can reach out from just the normal or our traditional groups that have elected us into our 
current positions and get us out into a more broader audience where we can tell our story and talk about the the community that we impact. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're are you headed up to Austin? For- so we are. Um, the Bert and I we're going to do another drive to Austin, um, and we're bringing. Um, Quite a few court members um, along with us. It's all. I think Austin has one of the most fun hospitalities on the entire court system because it's poolside, and so we'll be. Uh, it's the weekend um, right before I go back to my classroom, so it'll be kind of like my last hurrah of the summer, and I'm looking forward to seeing so many brothers out there and learning like what they're doing in their communities to maximize the charity work that we're, we're doing and, and how I can bring some of that knowledge and some of that power back to my community to help people here. Great, great. Well, let's go ahead and give it up for Emperor Topher there. Yay! Yay. And again, uh, we uh, can you tell us the, the website that you're, um, in order for somebody to go to your GoFundMe? Yeah, um, I'm, uh, let me, I'm pulling it up right now. So it's, it's a GoFundMe account. Um, and we have, we set the goal of raising two thousand um, dollars for this uh, this next school that we've just downloaded or that we've um, adopted, and they are I'm pulling it up right now. I'm so sorry. Um, so this school, like I said, it has a lot. It's it's in our international district, which is a renamed district. Um, it used to be called the War Zone um, because there was lots of violence there. But a lot of refugees are moving into this district, and they come with a really broad, um, diverse like outlook on life. And so they're amazing students to teach. I taught there last summer, but they also don't have uh, don't don't come with the supplies necessary to, to survive in the in the U.S. school system. So it is a GoFundMe account, and I'm I'm so sorry. I'm pulling it up right now. No, no worries. From from all the shows. Yeah, no worries. Well, we can go ahead and tell everybody about that information later if you okay. great, um, actually... Great, great. I'll make sure I send it to you. I'll make sure I send it to you, and I appreciate you getting the word out about that, and I look forward to seeing you in Austin. Great. Oh, yes, definitely, brother. And uh, give, your, give, your, give my love to your empress there as well. I will do that. Take All care. All right. Thanks, House of Pride Radio. We are going to take a quick music break, and when we come back, we'll again talk about other events happening here in San Francisco. I'll make it feel like a vacation 
We don't need nobody. I just need your body. Nothing but sheets in between us. Ain't no getting off early. I know you're always on that night shift. But I can't stand these nights alone. And I don't need no explanation. Cause baby, House of Pride Radio. This is Emperor Salvador Tovar, and I have my great host here, Win Fam, with me today, where we've been talking lately about the imperial court system, and we just had Emperor Tofer on the line here. We also talked about uh, our philanthropic duties here with Cheer San Francisco, and I'm going to turn it over to Wynn to, ta- to bring on another one of our hosts that we have, or another one of our guests that we have on the phone right now. That's right. Thank you again, Sal, for having me on tonight, and thank Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, again, tonight is all about charity and all the amazing philanthropic opportunities that this amazing city has afforded us. In addition to Cheer San Francisco, I am a part of GAPA, which is GAPA, stands for the Gay Asian Pacific Alliance, which is a 501c3 charitable nonprofit that operates in and around the city of San Francisco. It is my honor and privilege to invite our next guest by telephone. His name is Ty Lim, and he is a current board president of the GAPA Foundation. Welcome, Ty. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So, Ty, you seem to be pretty well-versed and very entrenched in the inner workings of GAPA and its activities. Can you tell us a little bit about what GAPA does? Sure. Uh, GAPA is a grassroots philanthropic organization, um, and we provide funds that and leverage our resources to empower the API LGBT community. Um, what we like to do is um, we're, we focus a lot on exploring critical issues that affect the API and LGBT community, and we do so through supporting innovative programs um, and providing them with uh, adequate funding, uh, core funding for the work that they're doing on the ground, um, as well as uh, provide students and um, with scholarships uh, as well, typically for um, underrep- those that are non-traditional students and that are underrepresented in our local community. 
That's fantastic. And so it, obviously this this organization, GAPA, and I'm a part of it, so of course it is very near and dear to me, but I, I want to kind of hear it, you know, maybe better articulated than I could ever do. What, In terms of the activities and all the fundraising you do, what has been the impact, let's say fiscally, of, of the programs that the foundation has, has produced? What, how much money have we raised in, in, in the history of GAPA? So uh, in terms of that piece, we uh, the fundraising portion has been more of a focus in the past, I would say, five years or so. Um, the organization itself has been around for about 28 years, but um, previously the focus was more around creating a safe space, um, especially for folks that were um, more affected by the um, HIV epidemic. Um, and um, it was more about creating a, a support and a community um, first. Um, and we weren't really focused around the fundraising piece until much later. Um, and that was when we were still a 501c4, focusing more on the politics side of things. Um, once we transitioned to a 501c3, um, that was when we realized that the work that we can do um, and the need that was there was far greater than what existed in the Bay Area itself. And we believe that we could do significantly more work um, on a national scale. Um, and that's, that's been the focus now. Uh, in the past year, uh, we were able to give out um, a, a little more than $30,000 um, in the last year alone um, between um, community grants that were given to local organizations and projects that focused on serving the queer API community. And then there were also scholarships that were provided. Um, we gave out about $10,000 in scholarships to um, students, uh, both in professional, uh, that were uh, seeking a professional degree, as well as undergraduate students. That's fantastic. And just to think that a grassroots organization is capable, that's pretty astounding. $30,000 in charitable donations distributed to other organizations and $10,000 to student scholarships. I know that that is such a gift to the community, especially when you come from a culture um, and, and we focus for uh, on the API LGBTQ segment. A lot of Asian and Pacific Islander families are very not accepting of their children who come out as LGBTQ. So especially when you're trying to strive for higher education goals and you don't have that familial support, GAPA is kind of what fills that need and fills that gap. And not only that, it seems to me that GAPA highlights the best and the brightest of, of these young people striving to make a difference. Um, can you tell me a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about the selection process for the um, organizations that receive the grants and also about the students that receive these scholarships? Sure. Um, so in terms of the community grants portion, um, what, we, what we'd like to focus on, again, is on the under-resourced and the underrepresented communities. Um, there, there is an effort on our part to ensure that there's adequate funding to these under-resourced areas. Um, some of those um, tend to be um, the, the area of arts, um, as well as uh, certain communities particularly in the Midwest and in the South, um, that don't really have much representation um, in terms of... And so it's even more crucial for the, the um, handful of organizations that are working in those spaces to be able to secure funding, um, just because there is, there's already a dart of, of that funding and support, um, as is. One of the organizations that we've previously supported, um, in fact, is 
soy. Um, it's shades of yellow that's based out of uh, Minnesota. Um, and they uh, were conducting, or they were working on a, um, an oral history project and, um, and a support uh, group that focused around uh, creating more safe spaces and educating um, older generations around what it means to actually be queer. The term queer doesn't work or, or, um, in the Hmong language. And so um, it was necessary then to be able to um, have a conversation around how to even uh, explain your identity um, in the absence of a, a word or a phrase that could act that could accurately capture what your identity meant. Um, in terms of, um, I guess, other, um, other critical issues that we try to support with our community grant system um, is also uh, tackling another kind of linguistic barrier. Um, one of the first grants that we actually gave out was um, to the DARI project. And the DARI project was specifically to fund translations of coming out experiences for Korean um, for Korean immigrants and Korean Americans there's a clear linguistic barrier and cultural barrier uh, in terms of that acceptance piece and the book that they were able to put out um, in which we funded the translations helped to create that bridge so we feel that our community grants serve um, a larger purpose in terms of being able to connect the community um, and, and providing them adequate support. For the scholarship program, the process has, uh, I, I'm really proud of our scholarship program because I'm, personally, I, uh, I guess a little bit of background there is, I was actually a scholarship recipient myself, which is the reason why I'm still so connected to the organization. And for me, the way that scholarships, uh, the significance of it is it helps to validate my identity and who I am uh, as you know both a person of color as well as a queer person and uh, it oftentimes can be difficult in families and or communities where you know when you are queer um, it, you're, you're just not accepted and to have an organization validate your uh, the intersections of your identity in that way by providing you with a scholarship uh, it it it's, uh, it's an incredible um, step towards And our scholarship, I believe, does exactly that. Uh, we know that the, there's a rising cost, that the cost of education continues to rise, and a lot of students face both financial hardships as well as hardships in the home. And so as much as we can um, try to tackle and alleviate that, um, that financial burden, them, our scholarship um, works towards achieving that end. Ty, is that, are the scholarships given at, the, uh, I think it's a bow tie event that you guys host? It is. Uh, the ceremony itself is um, the Community Connections bow tie event. Um, the application process starts off in early, sorry, in late spring, um, and we announce in the fall. This year we have a special, this year we increased the amount of funding for the scholarships to about $5,000. Um, and that's a, that's a stark uh, increase from when we first started, which was uh, $1,000 per scholarship. 
That's wonderful. And Ty, would you happen to know the, the date and time of this Community Connections bow tie event in case our listeners would like to join us? Yeah, it'll be October 16th, that's a Sunday, um, at the Bayanihan Center um, in uh, San Francisco. Fantastic. And if, if we want to look this up online, where could our listeners go? Is, is there an online resource that this is published? Absolutely. Um, you can look us up on uh, it's gabafoundation.org, or you can also check us out on our Facebook page. Um, just search for Gapa Foundation. Thanks so much, Ty. And before we leave, I believe on our calendar, we might have another pretty fun event to engage GAPA supporters and the community at large. And I think it's called Runway. Yes. Ty, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about the annual GAPA Runway pageant? Absolutely. GAPA Runway is having our 28th annual Runway pageant. Um, It's an incredible it's an incredibly fun experience. Um, it's the longest running queer API pageant in the country, and I can promise you that you're going to have a fantastic time there. Uh, it will be taking place on August 13th at the Herbst Theater. That's a Saturday evening. Um, tickets are on sale right now. Uh, you can go ahead and purchase that. Uh, you can check out and get the information for that on our Facebook page. Um, just search for Gata Foundation again. And uh, tickets are very affordable, and all proceeds go towards the community grants and scholarship programs. That's fantastic. And again, folks who are listening, visit gapafoundation.org for more information on the Community Connections event that Ty described, as well as a 28th annual runway pageant. As Ty mentioned, it is the country's longest-running queer API pageant. And if you haven't been before, it's a ton of fun. It's essentially Miss America. There's a talent portion, evening wear, interview, and all the contestants are beautiful queer API or adjacent or those who support queer APIs and again as I mentioned all proceeds benefit the philanthropic community grants and student scholarships programs of the GAPA Foundation. In fact we have a winner of Mr. GAPA that is here with us as well. <laughs> Win. <laughs> that's right that's right um, you called me out Sal. I am Mr. GAPA 2013. My, my, my Miss GAPA was the inimitable Camara Rouge Miss GAPA 2013 and she is your predecessor, is she not? Correct. Yeah. In fact, I call her my mother. She is the absolute em- reigning or absolute empress of San Francisco, number fifty. That's right. So it's all in the family. Again, for more information on all of these charitable programs and fun events, visit us online at gapafoundation.org. Many thanks to Ty Lim, president of the board of the Gapa Foundation. Thanks, Ty. Thanks, Ty. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick music break, and we'll be here to wrap it up shortly. Don't need permission, make my decision to test my limits. Cause it's my business, God is my witness, stop what I finished. Don't need no holder, taking control of this kind of moment. Locked and loaded, completely focused. My mind is open. All that you got, gonna skin on my dad. Don't you stop, boy. Something about you makes me feel like a dangerous woman. Something about, something about, something 
introducing us to a new thing. back to House of Pride Radio with your host here, Salvador Tovar. Yeah, and, and we are actually bringing this this month and next month to you by Sparky's Fun and Joy. That is one of my businesses that I own. We are a balloon party supply store here in the Bay Area that is LGBT certified by the Chamber of Commerce. And what we do is we provide our services of quality balloon decor for out throughout the Bay Area and have been recognized for some of our amazing designs through a really well-known magazine through the balloon industry called Images Magazine. So with that, I do have another caller on the line. I have Bandit on there. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you guys? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, it's been a great day today. We've had a bunch of our um, callers in in our information. We're talking about the different charitable organizations that we've worked for or been a part of to help with our philanthropic duties here in San Francisco. Now, you've helped us with plenty of events. I know I just saw you recently, and and tell us about the different events that you were helping out. Um, So basically, one of the events I have been doing... Um, we're actually doing case, uh, working with cancer patients at the moment. We're going to be doing um, a dating auction, and all the money we raise is going to kids with cancer. Um, wow! And, my t- and, huh? and tell and and how do how does people how do people find out about the this this um, this fundraiser? Um, so basically, we're still in the process of doing it. Um, we're actually going around and we're going to different hospitals, taking pictures with kids, and then we're going to try to find a venue 
that will actually support this and we're going to have all the posters we're going to make all these big giant posters with every kid that we have a picture with and we're going to tell everybody like what this is all about we're going to have leather guys all sorts of different men from different parts of the community all helping out with this um it's going to be really cute. Like, I feel like it's something that everybody needs to focus on because, you know, most people that, you know, I, I love everybody in my community and everybody knows that. But, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, let's donate to the charities. Like, my Empress Milan here, she's been donating drag to Oasis Youth Center here in Tacoma, Washington. She's been going around the past couple weeks gathering everything drag-related and donating it to that youth center because, you know, we have a lot of youth that are coming out as trans, that are experimenting with drag, and we're trying to make them feel comfortable with that. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That 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 is remarkable to help help these these youth that, that are that are experiencing this transformation or wanting to perform. I think it's I think it's a great opportunity because you know sometimes within within the court system what we see here is sometimes we have a lot of these monarchs coming in and they're quick to judge us, right? Us new kids around the Absolutely. block that, that we we come in, we really we're very philanthropically you know um, enthused to to raise this awareness and raise mon- money for for all these different organizations. Yet they're quick to, to to beat us down and tell us, you know, oh, you know, this is the way we used to do it, and this is and this is how you should do it. And instead, I, I like what you guys are doing down there. You're actually empowering the youth who eventually will become a part of your organization there, and and tell them about the stories that we that you do and the, the money that you raise, so that they can continue the legacies that you guys create there. Yeah, because in my first month here, um, I raised $1,500 for St. Jude. Wow. And that's where basically where we started with this whole thing when I had actual help. And now it's like, you know, I'm getting back into the scene. And, you know, this <laughs> is something that's been talked about for, it's been only talked about for a couple of weeks. So it's like, now it's like I'm really starting to actually develop a plan for it. Got it. Sweet. No, it sounds really and good. And you said you're including the leather community as well? Yes. There's going to be – so we're going to try to do, like, pups, like, you know, pups for leather, basically. Yeah. So we're going to have, like, you know, handler. It's kind of like how they're doing the best in show, but it's, like, you know, not just pups. We're going to have handlers. We're going to have people that do drag involved, drag kings. We're going to have everybody trans men, trans women, people that want to learn about trans, if they ever wanted to date a trans, you know, we're going to have it all. Wow, that's pretty amazing. A, a, a very eclectic group there. And you said in Tacoma, right? Tacoma, Washington? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, Give my love to the, to the Empress over there. <laughs> Tell her I miss of her. Course. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been, well, it's great. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, again, and how does how do people find out about your your events that are you're, you're taking place down there? I actually just announced it on Facebook, so it's actually in the process. And you know, I will be talking to Mulan myself about more about it and see what we can do. And then the sisters are going to be in on it as well, so we're going to be talking with them. 
and then I just gotta put everything together and it's gonna be start rolling great 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 nice. I love me some Mulan amazing amazing Empress over there well thank yes, you so much we actually for... do love everybody in San Francisco so <laughs> I need my love to the Imperial Court and Ducal Court great thank you so much baby and I also know that Ducal Court tonight has their 2016 Best in Show awards going on tonight at Oasis that is right that is Oasis so tell us more about the about, about tonight so my alpha who is Mark Hankins he has a nonprofit there in San Francisco called Wax Packs. They are a leather community service to pups, to leather, and this is their professional indulgence in the Imperial and Ducal Court. And they just gave up by beta, Boomer, he just ended his title reign as Best in Show. So they're going to be having a new Best in Show tonight. They're starting at 6.30 at Oasis. It's gonna be you know best pup best handler so if you have a handler and you're a puppy in the bay area still trying to enter last minute you have minimal time but it's gonna be really cute because you know who doesn't like acting like a puppy sometimes <laughs> exactly exactly you well, know you gotta wig your tail look cute follow directions Yes, yes. May the best puppy win. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for, for letting our audience know there. All right, Bandit, you take care. Have a great day. You too. I'll be hearing from you guys next week. Yes, you will. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. And that was Bandit there. So talking, talking to us about things that are going on in Tacoma, as well as the pubs event that's happening tonight at the oasis here so after the show if you guys have nothing else to do head on out there to oasis and watch the amazing best in show uh, event at oasis for the ducal court there so with that i just want to go ahead and wrap up and, and talk about you know the different things that were that's going on here in the imperial court system locally in san francisco we have an amazing contest that's coming up it's called the golden gate and what it is, is we have a Mr. and Mrs. Golden Gate contest and where the recipients, uh, the contestants should uh, go out and sell tickets. The raffle tickets are $5 each. First prize is a week trip to Puerto Vallarta. Second prize is a, a, a weekend stay at the R3 Resort in Guerinville. And the third prize is also a a value package of I believe it's $500 from NARS donated by the Empress my lovely Empress Emma Peel she is actually at the board meeting as we speak I'm in the process of heading there after this after we leave here but yeah so that events happening soon if you are interested in in wanting to be a contestant for the Golden Gate contest I urge you to go to our, our website, to the, the Imperial Court of San Francisco.org, and the application is out there. You can turn in your application to one of our board members, or on August 3rd is the final deadline. It'll be from 4 to 7 at the lookout, in which you can go ahead and turn in your application there, meet with some of the board members, and get, get also in more information about past Golden Gate, uh, Golden Gate recipients there. It'll be a fun event, so we're doing that. And then on August 6th at the Dollhouse, I have my Empress, Emma Peel, who will be hosting the event. We will be uh, showcasing the candidates for the Golden Gate 
uh, contest. And then on the 20, let's see if I remember all these dates, 26, we have our bus cross starting on Friday there. We believe we start at the lookout and then we have other areas that we'll be going through. And lastly, the finale, which is we will announce the winners of the Mr. and Mrs. Golden Gate pageant, or I say pageant, but it's actually, it's a contest where it first starts with brunch and brunch will be taking place at the lookout from 11 to one. Following that, we will take the the actually streetcar from there and go all the way down to the Jane Her- uh, the Jane um, Plaza Center in which from there we will head out to Collingwood Park where the games the gay games will not the gay games the Golden Gate games man I'm, I'm mixing up so many of these events <laughs> the we'll, we'll be performing these uh, Golden Gate games there and I believe it's it's $20 a person and for, for a team of four so it's, it'll be $80 and then you get to compete with all the different obstacles and games that we'll have there the contestants can actually get groups to help them and that earns points for them towards their uh, run for for the contestant uh, to win the prize for Mr. and Mrs. Golden Gate and then afterwards the finale will take place from 5 to 7 at Told Hall that is that is August 28th. So again, for more information, you can go to my Facebook site. If you go to Facebook and look up Sal Tovar, or you can go to the Imperial Court System of San Francisco and find more information out there. So with that, that's a wrap here. I want to go ahead and leave with some amazing information here. First of all, I had this amazing opportunity that happened to me this weekend. Had a really shitty day on Saturday. I was just hearing nothing but negative news going on and just it just felt like things weren't going right throughout the whole day with all these different things in my life. And all of a sudden I did I decided to go ahead and take a chance. I said, "You know what? Why not? Let me go ahead and do this. It's what, you know, it's it's not that bad and and you know, what else do I have to lose by contacting a friend of mine?" Well, I did that and lo and behold, I was, I was given the opportunity where I received a text back from my friend and we got together. We hadn't seen each other for quite some time and we picked up like we, like it wasn't that long of, of time. Like the months were may, maybe like hours and it was so amazing. So I want to give a shout out to Dustin Dean and he's back in my life and we have connected again and we are going to stay connected. Yeah, we we just we just lost touch and and through that communication through Sunday when we were out there talking and and just talking catching up from what happens in those months that we hadn't talked, it felt it, it felt really great. It felt really great and very hopeful to have my friend back into my life. So I just wanted to give him a shout out and <clears throat> lastly to remind everybody about hope. What hope is it gives you the opportunity to continue on believing, believing in, in either a cause, believing in your philanthropic duties that you do here within your communities, or believing in a dream, believing in a passion, believing in someone. Sometimes we have all these obstacles that come into our path and we start we start accessing those and analyzing those. And then all of a sudden we start going into these trials and tribulations of how this is impacting our lives. And all of a sudden we become these negative people. Well, it's time to stop. It's time to remember the hope, having that hope and having that hope live with within you makes you have the possible, create that possibility of 
of accepting that gift once once it comes into your life. It may not be the time that we wanted, right? I mean, if we could snap our fingers and have a million dollars, some of us might ask for that. If we you know, could snap our fingers and be with a partner or with a husband or wife, we would want that, but it doesn't happen that way. It takes time and it takes life to, to help us through these different challenges and th different obstacles. And from experience, I just want to let you know that having that hope really pays off because uh, I, I kept that hope and it, it happened and I look forward to the possibilities that are created. So with that, this again is Salvador Tovar, your reigning emperor here at House of Pride Radio. Join us again next Wednesday where we will have other guests talking about the different current events that are happening within San Francisco. We'll give you an update on Pokemon. We didn't actually get a chance to do that this time. But yes, talking about the different craves that are going on, I want to know um, some of the different Pokemon that you've received. I know that we had a bunch of us go out to Boise, Idaho, and someone came back with a unicorn Pokemon. I was like, that's mine. I wish we could trade him right now. But apparently we can't do it yet. But we'll talk about some more hot spots. We'll talk about the pros and cons of, of this, this epic application that's happening that people are just getting so involved in that some companies are welcoming these Pokemon users and some companies are posting up signs saying, get away, only, only paying customers can be in here. So again, Salvador Tovar, your reigning emperor of San Francisco, here hosting the House of Pride Radio. And this is House of Pride Radio is brought to you by Sparky's Fun and Joy. Sparky's Fun and Joy is located at 115 Clement Street, where we do amazing design work with balloon decor. We also have a toy store and party supplies. You can visit us on the web at www.sparkysfunandjoy.com. That's S-P-A-R-K-Y-S-F-U-N-A-N-D-J-O-Y dot com. Everyone have a great night. And again, remember to keep hope in your heart. This is Salvador Tovar signing off.
Um, mainly also because um, I'm going to be playing um, stuff off of a few particular CDs. Um, because today's show is all about Gearhead Records. Um, I just went to the 15th anniversary Gearhead Records show in Sacramento, of all places, um, this past weekend, and had a great time. Um, the Merry Widows performed, and uh, White Barons, um, my dear friend Eva von Blut, <laughs> uh, on lead vocals, and she is uh, a force of nature. And if you haven't seen either The Merry Widows, and I say the T-H-E-E, Merry Widows, or um, The White Barons, I suggest you do so because they're powerhouse units and they really kick ass. Um, and great, great bands, great people in the bands. And uh, it was a good time. The Gearhead Records celebration is kind of a, a relaunch, actually, as much as it is a celebration of the history of uh, Gearhead. And uh, if I pause for a second, it's only because I'm putting in a CD while I'm doing this, because uh, I don't have a team of assistants like most radio people do. It's just little old me by myself. And the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The um, CD player is a little bit off to the side, so I kind of have to, you know, adjust as I go. So you forgive me if I have to uh, occasionally pause for a quick sec while I am chatting with you guys. So um, as I said, Gearhead Records. Um, so uh, speaking of Gearhead Records, the uh, person in charge, the Rev, as I like to call her, Reverend Michelle Honnold. I'm not quite sure I have her last name pronounced correctly, but nonetheless, <coughs> Uh, she will be uh, joining us around the 4.30 hour, as is typical, with an Ace of Space Radio interview session. So stick around for that, and we'll get all the inside info on how Gearhead Records began and everything there is to know about Gearhead and where Gearhead is going to be going. Um, there's a lot of stuff involved, um, you know, because not only is it just, it's not just a music or record label, it is a kind of a lifestyle brand. Um, they have merchandise, uh, more so than the you. And who knows what else might turn up on that one. So that's something that's kind of in the works, and we'll talk about that and see, you know, what the prognosis is and whatever else. Um, you know, um, it's it's an all-encompassing kind of a thing. And But, it, it you know, it centers around, you know, great rock and roll, uh, cool clothes and hot rods and beautiful women, you know, in all their various shapes and sizes uh you know so all of that ties into the uh, kind of the lifestyle brand of gearhead and uh, so we'll talk about all of that stuff <clears throat> so this um i'm gonna play some music for you from the uh 
and they, there's a lot of great bands, several of whom have been on Reality Check TV, my TV program. Uh, most of you who have been following the show know about Reality Check TV, but in case you don't, go to realitychecktv.com, for Christ's sake, you know, just go, go look it up, Reality Check TV. You know, you have this amazing thing with search engines you can go on like google and whatever else and you can type in reality check tv and amazingly enough realitychecktv.com will pop right up um we also have a a facebook page facebook.com slash reality check tv and those are both good places to go for all the latest info um postings uh latest episodes and so on and info about ace space radio and other related projects that all tie in to the reality check tv universe um but we're not as all-encompassing as gearhead because we don't have a clothing line and we don't have all this other stuff but it's still you know they do kind of dovetail together because we celebrate a lot of the same things and so I hope you do check that out. I hope you check out uh, Gearhead. I think it's GearheadHQ.com. But we'll get into all that when Michelle calls in a little while. So in the meantime, I'm going to play some music. And there are quite a few bands, like I said, um, who have been on the show. Uh, here's the Wild Hearts. We'll lead off with the Wild Hearts. Uh, love Ginger Wildheart. He's a he's a mad genius, but an amazing songwriter and performer. And uh, the Wild Hearts are just a kick-ass band who don't really get enough recognition here in the United States. They're more of a European English kind of a thing. Um, but that doesn't mean they're any good. They're not any good, I should say. And uh, some other bands on here that have been on, um, and some other bands that I admire. Uh, the Helicopters are on here. Um, uh, American Heartbreak with my friend Billy Rowe from Jet Boy, who has been on the show in the past. So um, there's uh, all those bands. Um, some bands that I really like that I've never interviewed but are on here are like uh, Demons. I love the Demons. Uh, the Hives are on here, and the Dragons are all really good bands. Riverboat Gamblers. So there's a lot of cool bands. New Bomb Turks is another one. Turbo ACs. All great bands who uh, have put out music on uh, on Gearhead. So we'll play some of that stuff for you, and then uh, in just a little while we'll have the Rev herself tell us all about you know where Gearhead is going and what's going to be happening. So uh, this is from the Gearhead Records Thingmaker compilation. Uh, this song is uh, by the Wild Hearts. Uh, it's called Putting It On, I believe. Uh, my vision is going. God. Um, and we'll play a few tracks, like I said, off the record and uh, get a feel for the kinds of bands that uh, Gearhead likes to, uh, you know, uh, promote. And uh, so here's the Wild Hearts. You're listening to Aces Space Radio on Mutiny Radio.fm.
All right, we're back. Ace of Space on MutinyRadio.fm. And that was a triple dip from the Thingmaker Gearhead Records compilation. We let off with the Wild Hearts. Uh, and then we hit the Dragons, and we finished up with the Hives. I'm going to keep on playing some tunes from this particular compilation, and who knows what else. Um, I've got a couple other records in my bag uh, from the Gearhead Records uh, people. Um, specifically the lovely Michelle, Reverend Michelle, who will be calling in just a little bit to give us a little insight on Gearhead Records. So please uh, don't go anywhere and uh, strap yourselves in. Crack a cold one if you can. Um, if you're at work, then ha- then uh, try not to work too hard and uh, enjoy. There's a, you know, like I said earlier, there's a lot of great bands on this compilation and I'm just, you know, digging through some, you know, skimming the surface as it were. So check this out. Uh, this is one by the Demons, and we'll probably let's see. We'll bust into um, what's after that? Lazy Cowgirls. Uh, looks like there's Turbo ACs and helicopters. So we'll do a few of those, and then hopefully Miss Michelle will be calling in in just a little bit. So uh, get ready, to rock. Here we go. More Gearhead Records compilation bands. This is Demons. You're listening to Ace of Space on Mutiny Radio.fm.
Hello, hello, hello. Miss Michelle. Oh, hey. Hey, you with me? The Reverend. I am, okay. I could barely hear you. The Reverend Michelle. How do you pronounce your last name properly, dear? Sorry? How do you pronounce your last name properly? It's Honold. Honold. Okay, I knew yeah, it was somewhere Honold, in there. Like H O W, only it's H A U. Got it. My father is Austrian. Austrian. And, uh, that's an Austrian name. I see. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Reverend Michelle here is the is the uh, preeminent purveyor of uh, gearhead music. <laughs> Uh, and I, I actually I have to ask you, where does the reverend come from? How do you get reverend? I am actually um, a licensed minister. Um, after uh, after I filed bankruptcy with Gearhead uh, back in 2009, I was in a pretty bad space, just emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally. And I just decided I needed to do something that was just for me. And um, Oops, my cell phone's going off. <laughs> and I just, I started taking classes um, just, you know, to meditate, to find a place of calmness and peace. <laughs> and then I took another class and another class, and one thing led to another. And three years down the road, I, um, I graduated from the Church of Divine Man with um, a license to be a, a licensed minister. So, um so you can actually perform uh, <laughs> ceremonial functions like marriages and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done marriages. It's, it's really fun. It's <laughs> super cool, actually. Yeah, but you don't, re you know, kind of, uh, you don't really remind me of a Stay traditional... You. Okay, I'm sorry. You don't remind me of a traditional reverend, though. You know, I, when I think no, reverend, I, I think Reverend Jesse Jackson. I think reverend, you know what I mean? I think those kind of guys. I know, and, you know, <laughs> in the whole world of punk rock, like, it's supposed to be separation of church and state. You know, it's yeah. very, it, it, spirituality is really looked down on in, in the <laughs> world of punk rock music. And, yeah. you know, growing up and working at Maximum Rock and Roll, it's like, boy, you, you don't admit that you've got a spiritual side because people will kind of think you're a freak. But, you know, it's all part of being... Part of being a freak, being a right? rocker is, <laughs> you got to follow your truth. And That's true. And this is part of my truth. And, yeah, I'm covered with tattoos, and I listen to punk rock music, and, you know, I really believe in each person shining their own light in whatever way that is, and that's, that's the minister side of me coming out. Excellent. Well, that's cool, you know. I'm, I'm glad, you you know, you found something that works for you, and uh, also, you, you know, now you have the added benefit of, hey, you want to get hitched? I'm your girl. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, I could I perform punk rock punk rock weddings. Like, right. How fun would that be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, we'll have to keep that in mind uh, for some some time in the future. If anybody's looking for a cool minister, yep, exactly. you're, you're the... You're the non-denominational, and I, you know, male, female, straight, gay, you know, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. You know, and that's I a good thing, you know. Be, so, this this church thing that you that you got your your philosophy from you mentioned it but i remember what was it uh the church of divine man it's the seminary for the berkeley psychic institute ah. which was started in berkeley oh okay there you go and it's now based up here in sacramento as well i see oh i see so both you and them booked to sacramento is that it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they ran did they run you out of town no just kidding 
<laughs> a little bit slower pace up here. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, you know being in Sacramento, I mean you move you were in the Bay Area for some time, but now you're yeah, you've been in Sacramento yeah. for how long? Been up there for a while. I moved huh? to the Bay Area in 1990. Well, mm -hmm. actually, I originally moved there in 1988. Mm -hmm. um, As did I. And um, I hold. Uh, the record of being the uh, shortest tenant at the Maximum Rock and Roll House one day. <laughs> one whole day. Um, I moved in and I moved back out again. <laughs> um, and then um, I moved back to Oregon and then in 1990 I, m I moved completely to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, I was living in the Mission at uh, 26th and South Van Ness. Ah, not far, not far from the station here. Street, which isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I lived there until 1997, mm -hmm. um, and by that time I was married, um, and my uh, husband at the time was just getting out of recovery, and I decided I pretty much had, I was done with the Bay Area. It was just, it was just too intense, and mm -hmm. I just needed something a little bit calmer, and uh, so, and I needed something warmer. I lived out by the ocean, and it was, I was cold all the time. Yeah. And, so I moved to the Sacramento Valley, hot and sunny and a little bit slower pace of living and cheaper, uh -huh. and um, got divorced, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Running the Gearhead Empire. <laughs> Running the Gearhead Empire, exactly. Yeah, that was in 2000. So the same year I got divorced, I started Gearhead. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's run that timeline of Gearhead. So we just celebrated the 15th anniversary. You started Gearhead in two, 2000. Uh, what was the impetus for starting the label? I'm sorry, I still can't, I can't okay. hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. What was the impetus? What gave you the inspiration to start Gearhead? Well, um, I was working at Mordam, the punk rock distribution company. Oh, yeah, I remember And um, working with lots of record labels and mm -hmm. stores and going to shows. And um, I was also writing for Maximum Rock and Roll, and I right. was DJing for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's tons of great music coming out at that point. That was right when all, like the, the, the epitome of all the, the Bay Area garage punk stuff was starting to explode. So like yeah. Supercharger and Mummies. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, all those bands were just, every weekend, somebody cool was playing somewhere. Right. Um, and my partner, uh, well, who became my partner, Mike Lavella, he had started Gearhead Magazine in 1993. We both were writing for Maximum Rock and Roll, so uh -huh. we knew each other, we were friends, we'd, you know, go to shows and stuff, and I was, um, when the first issue of Gearhead Magazine came out, he brought it to me at Rackless Records, where uh -huh. I put it on consignment, and um, we sold out right away, so I called him up and I said, hey, bring some more copies in, and he brought some more in, and, and since then, you know, we just had worked together on uh, that, you know, that sort of level. Um, I, when I got hired at Mordam, I talked the, um, the group into bringing Gearhead Magazine in for distribution. Nice. So I continued to work with Gearhead Magazine, selling it to stores and to distributors. Um, and that whole time that we, uh, you know, were working together in that capacity, Mike was always talking about starting a record label. Of course, the magazine always came with a 7-inch at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, you know, a really cool magazine, and then you'd get this great 7-inch single. So it was, it was a really neat, unique thing. 
Yeah. But he was always talking about expanding it and actually creating a record label. And one day I just <clears> said to him, I'm like, you know, dude, <laughs> you're never going to be able to start a record label without somebody like me. <laughs> I knew distribution, I knew sales, and um, he was pretty upset and pretty offended and, <laughs> you know, walked away in a huff for a few days. And uh -huh. a couple days later, he called me up and he said, you know what, I've been thinking about it. You're right. <laughs> I need somebody like you. Do you want to be partners? And I said, yes. And nice. that was how Gearhead Records started. And, uh, you know, over the course of time, you have had some incredible artists who kind of got their launching point from, from Gearhead. Uh, and I ran down some of the names that, you know, uh, stick out, like the Hives in particular. Are I can't hear you. Okay. I was, uh, as I was saying, is I was going down, a lot of bands got their, kind of got their launching point from Gearhead. Mm-hmm. And one of the bands that really stands out that became pretty big is The Hives. So talk about that. Yeah, that, that was just crazy. In fact, I just, I just recently wrote a blog uh, post on my website about that whole experience. Uh -huh. If anybody, you know, wants to read it, yeah. I, I actually wrote it out. Um, so Mike, my partner, he had come back from Sweden. They had just had the... Um, the first Gear Fest, uh -huh. which was in Stockholm, uh -huh. um, and that was put on by a bunch of uh, Gearhead fans um, in Sweden, and they, it was a three-day oh, cool. event, and there was all these great underground garage punk bands that mm -hmm. played, so the Demons played, uh, the nice. Hives played, Menson played, um, uh, the Strollers, Helicopters, Nomads, a bunch of great bands. Right. Anyway, Mike came home with a demo tape from the Hives just raving about this band, um, and he played it for me. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. It's really, really just amazing. Um, and they had a record out on Burning Heart Records mm -hmm. in Sweden at that point, but they had no U.S. presence. So right. um, I called up, well, I emailed Burning Heart, um, the owner, Peter, and I said, hey, we really love this band, The Hives, and we want to know if we can license this record to put it out in the U.S. And so after a little bit of negotiations, we worked it all out and uh, launched the first two Hives records, so the Hate to Say I Told You So 7-inch, nice. and the AKA Idiot 12-inch EP. Nice. And I had wanted to do them as one record, but the band um, was pretty insistent about them being two separate releases. So I just went ahead and did what they wanted, even though it didn't really make that much sense for the marketplace. Right. In the U.S., you know, people want, at that point, they wanted full-length records. They didn't yeah. really want singles. Yeah. yeah. How it's changed. So that record, those two records came out back-to-back, -back, yeah. um, <laughs> and we sold, like, 300 copies of each record. And it was just, you know, it was a little frustrating. It's like, oh, my God, this is the best band we've ever heard. Like, you know, I can't believe that's all we sold. Well, um... Shortly after our records came out, um, Epitaph had uh, bought Burning Heart, and they released The Hives' second full-length, Benny Beattie Vicious, in the U.S., and uh -huh. they had sold about 1,500 copies, and, you know, there was a little bit of a, a buzz about them, mm -hmm. and so Epitaph arranged for them to come over on tour, and I got the boys a van, and... Um, you know, got them set up with the back line, and 
off, they went on tour, but they kicked the tour off in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, at the Great American Music Hall. Right. And both Mike and I were were there, you know, kind of nervous, like, how are people going to respond to these guys? Like, it's, you know, it's kinda, it was pretty intense music at that point. Oh, yeah. He was really doing anything quite that punk rock. No. Um, but the crowd just went crazy. People just went wild and anybody that's seen the hives of course knows they put on unbelievable they're shows. incredible uh one yeah. of yeah and high uh, energy like you wouldn't believe from there it was like you know dropping a match in kerosene they just exploded they sure did and well you know you know the story from there on out sure i saw them at slims and they just blew the doors off the joint yeah. Uh, so I, I uh, yeah. When I finally saw them, the buzz was incredible about the highs. When I finally saw them at Slim's, they just, you know, incendiary is a too too weak a word. Yeah. So, so I, that's, I have to agree. Yeah. They're, I mean, they are a band that they mastered. They mastered the the, the stage their stage presence and. It, yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, it was an act, but it was not an act. Like it was. They were they were really just insanely intensely on fire. Yeah. Every single night. Yeah. And they deserve every single bit of it, the success that they got. It got it was pretty crazy. You know, we put out a, their their debut full length record was called Barely Legal. Right. Um, and so we released that after their second full length, mm-hmm. you know, had come out. It was right about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then, of course, you know, there was a bidding war for them, and Warner Brothers signed them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then, you know, that was it. They were off and running. And yeah. So it was it was a really amazing experience, and it was one that was, it was like riding a rocket. You yeah. Know, it just took off, and all you do is just hang on and go. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that, that's got to be amazing, though. When you find something, a little diamond in the rough, and next thing you know, uh, it just it just explodes. Uh, I have to tell you, I was really surprised. I mean, I knew they were good. Yeah. And I expected people would really like them. Yeah. I didn't. I, I never saw them breaking as big as they did. Right. That, that took me by surprise. Yeah. In fact, that whole time period where all these bands that were kind of, you know, raw and gritty and garagey and snotty, yeah. like the White Stripes, sure. you know, all these bands that I saw all the time, you know, playing in tiny little clubs in front of, you know, 20 people. Right. I didn't expect any of those bands to do what they did. Mm. That, that took me by surprise. Well... You were uh, one of the people that helped uh, light the match to, to get them yeah. to, you know, so congratulations yeah, for that. That was really the um, the beginning of the whole Swedish craze yeah. that happened for a couple of years. Um, oh, yeah. In, well, so many great rock bands. I mean, the Swedes love their rock and roll. I mean, they just do. I don't know what it... Sorry, say it again. I, I, I said the Swedes really love their rock and roll. Yeah. They just oh, do. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, from what I understand, I've never been to Sweden, yeah. but there's, it, in the winter, there's nothing else to do but stay in your, you know, in your garage or your house or whatever and get drunk and play music. Right. And, and so, yeah, they turn out some amazing bands. Oh, golly, yeah. I mean, there's so many great bands from, from all over of the uh, 
Scandinavian countries. There's quite a few great yep. bands. So, yep. you know. Norway. Sure. Finland. Um, and we worked with, you know, bands from all of those countries. Yeah. We were very lucky to, to do that. 